Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Coffee and Cream on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. The pitch from Marsh, line drive, left field, pretty well hit. Taylor backpedals near the track to make the catch. Casas coming to the plate, and he will score. As the throw is cut off by the third baseman, Garcia. And the Red Sox have a 1-0 lead on a sacrifice fly by Alex Verdugo. 3-2. High fly ball to right. Back to the wall is Jones, and he leaps, and it is gone! A home run! Muncie hits his 28th home run of the year, and with one crack of the bat, the Dodgers have tied the score at one. Pitch, this is driven. Deep left field, racing back, and it is gone! Mounty goes yard. And the Orioles tack on two more back-to-back extra base hits. Ryan Mountcastle with that base hit extends the hit streak to 12 games. The on-base streak to 17. And a big two-run shot puts the Birds up 5-2. First pitch to him is hit high in the air to left field. And that is traveling deep into left center. And they look up and it is gone. Andrew Kisner has hit a big fly to deep left center field. A two-run shot, his ninth of the year, and the Cardinals jump out on top 2-0. It's the moment dreams are made of. At the Pinnacle Bank Championship, we are live from the club at Indian Creek. We're happy to have you with us as I'm joined by Ravi Lula. On this magical morning here on the golf course, the sun is up, the mist is gone, balls are being struck, fairways are being hit. We hope. No, I saw at least one. Okay, good. Well, that's fairway. Thanks for interrupting my intro. (laughs) Singular. I was getting to my, my, I was really getting to my feels. I was getting to uh, my, my, uh. But my peak, um, my cliff. Excuse me. I was I'm about sorry. to jump off. Let me let me reset you here. Fairways are being hit. <laughs> Fairways are being hit. What did I say? Balls are being struck. Yeah. Now now I don't even know where I was going with this. You know this was unplanned, but in my head it seemed planned. <laughs> Bodies are jumping into the pond at 17. Well, maybe today after it is Friday, um, and we are at the Hurt at Sports Pavilion, which is an all inclusive tent. So it wouldn't shock me that on a day where you know you have tomorrow off, mm-hmm. that we see at least one guy take off his shirt and jump into this pond. We are not condoning that nor nope. suggesting that. It's just a. But if you want to do it, let me know so I can get it on video. It's just a prediction of possible chicanery. Because <laughs> we're all about, uh, you know, getting a little, getting a little wild over at Listen, the. It's Friday. Got to get a little loose. Got to get mm-hmm. a little loose. Well, it's funny, too, because as I was walking the course yesterday and I was doing some interviews with the guys after their rounds, Anna and I, Anna Bellinghausen, um, decided to make the trek over to the pavilion just to see what was going on. Um, We had some 
pavilion tickets we were giving away on social media as well, okay. which is a really solid deal. And you wouldn't believe how many people said no to me when I really? went up and asked them if they were interested in being a part of a social trivia video no. in order to get a spot at the Herd at Sports Pavilion. It's a pretty sweet pavilion, guys. Well, first off, it's shaded, right? You have a spot to sit. That's where I, I TVs like TVs are on. I love TV. And the best part about it all, you walk inside these doors and you get free drinks. You I'll get food it. on the regular. And there's AC that comes through the ground. And if you stand on top of the little uh, sewer drain, it feels like you're Marilyn Monroe in it a little bit. <laughs> like you're trying to like keep your keep your shorts down. It, it's really nice in there. And oh, I struggled so hard to find at least one or two people to take the tickets off my hands. We're Can you believe that? We're trying to help you out here, people. I'm just trying to let people have a good time. That's all we're here. We're, we're just here to have a good time. Mm -hmm. That's what we do here. Mm -hmm. We're just here to have, you know, like... I know you're a big golf guy. I'm a huge. I'm a medium golf guy. I'm mm. a I'm a Cam's watch, a small golf guy. <laughs> I'm a watch the majors golf guy. You know what I am big into though? Drinking outside during the summer. And With other is, people. This is a terrific yes, I don't want to do it alone. <laughs> that bums me out. Uh, no, and this right, is right, Sally. This is a little doll taste, right? See, <laughs> but no. And Dino drinking uh, outside with my dogs does not count as as company because they're not allowed to have the alcohol. <laughs> Robbie's over here, like right, Sea Biscuit. The horse just comes <laughs> walking across the yard. Uh, but yeah, so even if you're, you know, even if you're like only meh about the golf, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. I imagine is terrific, still, uh, you can be all in on hanging out outside. It's been gorgeous this week. Just hang out, get some food, get some drinks, hang out with other people. Come on, what are we doing? And you know, here? I've heard a lot of people tell me too that they've just walked the course. Yeah, and some you know, just I think like being outside. I think Jess and Alexis were saying that earlier this week. Um, we had Mark Wisdom on from mm -hmm. the Pinnacle Bank yesterday. He said he liked to find his spot on 15, but it's just like people really enjoy just walking the path because you don't walk cart paths on the regular. No, you don't get to walk this no. scenery. Ever, you know, whenever you're just walking your dog or riding your bike or whatever. And it's beautiful out here. I mean, it's a incredibly scenic course. Um, we've been super lucky to be out here all week. And yeah, it's like, if you just want to be one of those people who likes to walk outside, come hang out, get your walk in, maybe get a drink when you're done. It's there's not there's no way to lose here. Well, I couldn't drink yesterday, obviously working, working. Yeah. But I went home and felt drunk after watching the Johnny Manziel documentary. Man, that thing was a little unhinged. It was nice, though. There was it was nice to really to, interesting stuff in to there. see kind of how his life spiraled in the direction it did. Yes, it provided a lot of context to what we saw play out in front of us. Because all we got to see was what was actually happening on the football field, and it wasn't good. Yeah, and like a, Outside little, of college. And a little bit of the, um, you know, a little bit of social media stuff. A right, little bit yeah. Of, and, you know, he got arrested in, in college, and yeah. then we knew he checked into rehab because every news source was saying that. So the stuff with his agent was fascinating. The way he was, like, trying to handle everything. That was really, that might have been I mean, my favorite part of the doc. Well, not only his agent, but his best friend. Yeah, Nate, that he doesn't talk like, to anymore. Just the fall guy. That shocked me. Yeah. That, that was the biggest bomb drop. Dropped a bomb that, that's like, yeah, we haven't spoke since. And that was like eight years ago. And just casually, just like, yeah, and we casually haven't kept talked. talking about it. Yes. For me, I was watching the doc and thinking, once I heard that, 
all the stuff I heard at the beginning, I'm like, wait a second. You guys have no ill will toward one another. You're talking as if you're still best friends for the first 50 minutes of this documentary. And you have not spoken in nine years. And you haven't spoken in nine years. Yeah. I thought, whoa. That's what I thought. <laughs> whoa. Swear to goodness. That That's what was I thought. the strangest part because they just blew right by it. So I almost wonder if, you know, in order to get Johnny Manziel to do it, that was something that they agreed not to spend too much time on, that part of the falling out. Because they moved past it pretty quick. They talked about it briefly, and then they moved right past it. Mm -hmm. So that was pretty strange to me. Um, It it was strange that Johnny just kind of said, like, yeah, I knew I had to let go. Well, and he was like, I I, I understood the explanation, right? Like, he was seen as somebody who was, you know, not a good influence on Johnny. And it was probably a two-way street, right? I don't think Johnny was a great influence on any right either. Um, But... He also mentioned, like, in the same breath, I'm so loyal. And then he's like, yep, haven't talked to him since. <laughs> and I was like, that doesn't he's, yeah, he's seem like, like he's, super I'm, He goes, I'm loyal to my people until I can't be anymore. Like, yeah. something like that. Or I'm loyal like, to my people until I have to be loyal to myself. And it's like, you can't even send, like, a text message now? Like, I get you can't <laughs> go out partying with him and hopping on the private jets and doing all the, the crazy stuff that you were doing. But I was like, you can't, you can't give the man a phone call? Like he was your fall guy. He he was your best friend. He he was your best friend, and that's what Nate said, right? He goes, he's like, I'm not upset about the business side of it. He's like, he was my best friend, mm-hmm. and that part was really really strange. the 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 strangest thing about the documentary for me overall, because Netflix has done several of these like untold stories, right? Some uh, are good, some are okay. Like the Manti Te'o one was fascinating. Yep. Um, wasn't. Was the Arizona State basketball team mixed into the Untolds, or was that a different? I set don't of remember if it was a different series or not. But some of them are like really well mm-hmm. done. The weird thing for this one for me was, I I thought it was well done. I thought there was really interesting stuff in there. It didn't really it didn't really change how I felt about Johnny Menzel. Like I felt bad about the like mental health struggles that he had gone through and obviously he like contemplated suicide and stuff like that which is obviously really serious and mm-hmm. so I felt bad about that that he got to that place but just sitting there like listening to him talk and stuff it's like it doesn't seem like he's learned that much I, I don't know that's what I took away like when I watched the Manti Teo one I felt terrible for that dude oh as you should like I was like this dude's life was wrecked it happened publicly and in an incredibly and then he em- took the heat for it. Yeah, and then in an incredibly embarrassing fashion where he really didn't do anything wrong. He Was didn't he a do little anything. naive? Sure. But he didn't do anything wrong. Whereas Johnny Manziel was actively doing, making bad decisions right. and didn't really seem to learn that much from it. And it was, I don't know. It well, was- so Johnny is the type of guy that just doesn't really want to do anything in life, right? Like, he's just kind of content with being a homebody, content with drinking at home with his friend, like, partying, yeah. doing that. He has the money to be able to do that right now, hopefully. I think, yeah, hopefully. that's the thing. Is I, um, I mean, because he's not – they made it clear in the documentary he's not doing anything right now. Right. And so – but that's, I think, the life that he just wants to live for himself. Which I he, get. He doesn't want to work. And, and, you know, he's just a lazy human being. And it's, I'm not trying to, like, say these things as a negative for him. Like, this is just who he is. No, they said it in the documentary. He didn't work at football. 
He didn't. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't study film. He hardly wanted to go to practice. Yeah. He just wanted to use his natural, God-given athletic ability to be better than his opponent, which took him a very long way. To be fair, and it probably would have taken him even further in Had the NFL. He wanted to work if he wanted to work. Um, and so that I was mostly. I mean, it was really fun to watch the college highlights again because, like, I remember yeah, watching oh those. Those are incredible. That I remember that Alabama game so specifically, mm-hmm. um, and he was a marvel to watch in college. But the rest of it, I was just kind of like, I was fascinated, but it really didn't move me much. I was just kind of like, yeah, that's Johnny Manziel. I will say the one really interesting thing that, and I don't remember, I don't know if you remember this as it was happening in the moment, but the lie that Nate came up with about his family being rich. Because I literally remember them talking about that. seeing the oil money come through. Yeah, I remember people talking about it on TV and on like online and stuff like that. And once like, one person picks it up, it was gone. everybody else Off picks to it up. the races. Right. And they're just like, oh, yes, yeah, family's got oil money. He's independently wealthy. And like I was like, oh, OK. And that's just a thing that people still believe well, to this day. You know why we believe that is because a new source is telling us. Yes. That. Because we don't know the information, so we expect the experts to know it. But that also goes to show how flawed our new system is, that you just hear something. Especially 10 years ago or when it was happening. I mean, even today. I mean, I worked in the local news, and it was completely flawed. So it was – and this was – it was kind of a strange time where the Internet was less prominent. Obviously, in 2012, the Internet existed, and it was a real thing or whatever. But it was kind of in this transition time where people got their information from – both the the news and the internet. And so what I think happened a lot back then, and I'm sure it still happens now, was people would see something on the internet, assume it was true, and then it would get taken onto the news. And it was that, and honestly, to tie it back into the Manti Teo thing, it happened the same way with Manti Teo's deal, mm-hmm. right? Where no one, until that one guy in the documentary for Manti Teo did any digging about whether the story was true or not. Nobody in the Johnny Manziel situation did any digging to figure out so what's funny about that. If his family had money or not. You you hit the nail on the head without even like really explaining the back end work of how the local news scene works. Yeah. You said you see an article and then the news like picks up that article. Really what happens is you see an article and the news will first start to be, hey, you know, first reported by this person yeah. and then read the article. Well, then another news station somewhere else will pick it up and so just report it by and, the news station. Right. Yeah. And then that news station will get picked up. And now it just becomes like news. Oh. It's not it's not a hey, somebody wrote this article anymore. It's a bad game of telephone yes. when you play in third grade. When I tell Ravi the words banana and it ends up coming back to me and it's Tortito. <laughs> yes, it, it. No, you're exactly right. And and that. That phenomenon absolutely still happens today where a rumor gets reported as a rumor and then it gets reported that by another news source that it's been reported and then they slowly lose the origin of it as it gets aggregated. And then all of a sudden we see I hear this this happens on like NBA Twitter all the time. Right. So Bill Simmons does these wild speculations and stuff on his podcast all the time. And he admits it. He's like, this isn't inside information. This is just a thing that I think would be cool if it happened. Right? Not even saying it could happen. Just, oh, this would be sweet. And then some website or Twitter or, or Twitter person aggregates it. And then it gets reported from the news site or the Twitter. And then it gets reported 
from the website. And then all of a sudden, it's sources tell Bill Simmons that Jalen Brown's going to be traded for a bag of potato chips. And it's just, wait, where did that, how did this happen? And if you listen to the podcast, he's like, hey, this is a fake trade I made up. Wouldn't it be fun? <laughs> and you're like, wait, where did, the, how did this happen? How did we get here from that? And that's exactly what happened with the oil money story with Johnny Manziel's family. It was a wild, just, oh yeah, that makes sense. And so I was, re- that was honestly my favorite part of the documentary because it was something that I so specifically remembered from the moment and being like, holy crap, that was just some college kid's harebrained idea to cover his buddy's butt. <laughs> well, and, you know, I think Manziel would have been really successful if he if he took the Dennis Rodman approach. He needed a Michael Jordan. He couldn't be Michael Jordan in his life. Mm-hmm. He needed an MJ because the way he went about his life was like Dennis Rodman. Yeah, he, he couldn't be the face. He needed to be second or third on the list on that AM football team. And it's hard because you're the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And when you're the quarterback of a team and you're making the, the flashy plays, it's easy to get picked up as yeah. the number one fan favorite individual on this team. But he would have he would have been an even bigger contributor, not only for the Browns. Mm-hmm but maybe even longer in college if he was second fiddle to somebody else. Yeah, so there's a couple interesting points there that you kind of bring up. And one of them is he was never expecting to be this kind of star, either from himself Mm -hmm. or from anyone else, really. Um, He was, I believe, a three-star coming out of high school, pretty lightly recruited. You know, they said in the documentary he wanted to go to Texas. That never even materialized as an offer. And so he ends up going to Texas A&M because I was, I think, pretty much the only major school in Texas that wanted him. Uh, I believe at one point he was committed to Oregon uh, in their offense. They ended up getting Marcus Mariota, I believe, in that same recruiting cycle, which worked out well for them. Um, but so he was not one of these five-star, highly regarded, you know, like super microscope on them in high school type guys. He was just a dude. Right. And then he gets to uh, Texas A&M. He redshirts his first year. So he's kind of under the radar. Then that's when he got arrested for the assault charge, like you uh, mentioned there. And so he's just flying under the radar for much of his life. And then, boom, all of a sudden he's the Heisman Trophy winner. Like there was no steps of escalation for his life. He just went from total unknown. We have no idea who this guy is to he is your Heisman front runner just in the blink of an eye, like in literally in the matter of like probably six weeks, he went from total nobody to Heisman front runner. Mm -hmm. And so when that happens, it's not something most people are able to handle. Well, now he handled it particularly poorly, but most people. So (laughs) watch the doc. There's a list, Um, but it's, it's something that is, is a really difficult thing to deal with. So I, I sort of sympathize for him for that. But the other thing that you brought up, which I think you're dead on, is his personality was never going to allow him to be the face of a franchise. Mm-hmm. And because of the position he played, this was never going to work out. And it's easy to look back with hindsight in 2020. I get that. But 
because of how he was his brains wired right i think still to this day if from it watching the it doc, sure is like i think this is just who he is i don't think it's an immaturity thing i think he's better yes, um, i think he's grown up at, at home like at home inside himself yes, like he, he's he, more at peace with himself right um but i think deep down he's a guy that you wouldn't want to be the face of your franchise and and that's fine there's a lot of people who are good people and i don't know if johnny manzel is a good person or a bad person but there's a lot of people who are plenty good people who you probably wouldn't want as the face of your franchise if you're an NFL team. and be, But because of his position, if he was a running back, he'd have been fine. Right. If he was a corner or a wide receiver or whatever, he'd have been fine. Mm-hmm. Because of his position, he had to be Michael Jordan. Every quarterback in the NFL has to be Michael Jordan in terms of importance to their team. Right. You don't get to be Dennis Rodman as a quarterback. You don't get to be Scottie Pippen as a quarterback. You have to be he Michael Jordan. He couldn't handle it. No, it was always he going. Wanted, he wanted to be a partier. It was it was always going to be too much for him. He, he wanted to take the student approach instead of the student athlete approach. Yeah, he wanted to. He said this in the doc. He was a frat boy who liked f- playing football. He was not a football player who happened to like to well, party. And he also was was blessed with all this money, all this income, with all this fame. And then he got surrounded by other people that are even bigger than he is, like the Drakes of the world and the LeBrons, LeBrons of the world. Yeah. I mean, at one point in the doc, too, his mom said well, he wasn't going to listen to us. He's hanging out with Drake and LeBron. Yeah. Like they like, basically said we can't control him. Yeah, they had to throw their hands up and be like, I mean, why is he going to listen to us? He's got his own money. He's got his own fame. He's hanging out with people that are huge and influential and popular and whatever. And you know his parents tried. Oh, sure, especially at first. Like, it seemed like it took them at least after that first season when he won the Heisman and stuff before they were like, oh, this thing's out of our hands. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is a really hard thing for, A, parents to admit, and B, I'm sure it was really difficult for them to go through at the time. It was, so like, the documentary was fascinating. I just walked away. I was like, I don't really feel any differently about Johnny Manziel. No, I've always liked him. I like sort of like him. I'm sort of like, man, it's, you know, he's. I just always liked what he did in college. And those are the years I remember. Phenomenal, right? So even even when he went to the NFL, I'm like, okay, like even though he fell off the map, like that happens to a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of guys. I mean, so I. I, I have no... You know, I mentioned um, Marcus Mariota. It's not like Marcus Mariota <laughs> let it on, lit it on fire. He's, right. He's a professional, so he's been managed to stay in the league. But Johnny Manziel was never going to be the guy that was like a career backup. Right? No. Like his, no, no, no. His he had, brain doesn't work that right, way. Right. He had to be the one. If he's not the star, he's not interested. Right. And I, I, I was just going to say, I have no animosity toward... Oh, I don't either. ...toward Johnny Manziel. Like, no. I just think he... It, and he it, was really fun to watch. He was fun for me in absolutely. in 2012 and 2013. Yeah. So I'm going to credit him for giving me some really good college football years. And it's not like he, I mean, I know there was some weird like restraining order with the girlfriend and stuff, right. but it doesn't seem like he really hurt anybody um, except for kind of himself, you know, like, so it's, I don't really, have, sometimes I have a hard time coming around on people that hurt mm-hmm. other people. Right. But it doesn't really seem like he did that or just, he was kind of self-destructive. Mm-hmm. And so, and he seems okay with it, <laughs> you know. So I don't. He, he's living at peace with himself, right? Yeah, now. which is all that matters. Like I'm glad that he's mentally seems to be in a better place, you know. Um, with the suicidal thoughts and stuff, that's obviously you know really scary. But um, it was just that was the strangest part for me. I was expecting some sort of like revelation, and it was more just like, yeah, this is what it is. Right. Well, speaking of revelation, I mean, it was it was literally like plucked out of the Bible here. How he goes back to his dad mm-hmm. and says like, I need. Yeah, I, I don't know where else to turn. He's like, like I, I need you I, guys. I need some help. Yeah, I need my family. And boom, like with open arms. Yeah, welcomes him back in. Prodigal son. Mm-hmm. There we go. Uh, we are talking to Mike Sauter, not the prodigal son of this show. Yeah, 
Well, maybe. Uh, who knows? <laughs> we're also talking to Matt Versall. May also think he's the prodigal son of the show, which that could be more true with DB and his relationship. Um, but we'll talk to them later on in the 9 o'clock hour. Today we're going to do something interesting as well. Uh, yesterday I was able to combine uh, – well, I was able to get three interviews, and we're going to combine them into one – segment here on the show today i spoke to some golfers about their first round about their their overall personality about what they do outside of golf we'll touch on all of that around the eight o'clock hour as well we have iowa state and iowa gambling to get to once again northwestern we also have uh, the new basketball uh spot for iowa women's basketball and much more stick around more cnc after the break